All right, away we go with the panel show every weekday afternoon at this time here on the Oakley Program. And our panel joining us includes Mike Van Solen, a principal at Navigator. Mike, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Great to be here. Good to have you here. Kristen Carmichael Greb is with us, counselor for Ward 16, Eglinton Lawrence. Kristen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your being here. And Kim Wright uh, is the VP at uh, Hill and & Knowlton and an ardent new Democrat. Kim, I've got to ask you, and first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you. And in the words of Adrian Batra, it's a great day for talk radio. Thank you. Uh, you needn't quote somebody else. You can do it of your own volition. <laughs> it seems more sincere that way uh, instead of channeling a third party. But that's all right. Uh, I understand you may have been deprived of your sleep banging on the doors of the legislature <laughs> as you were at four in the morning. But that being said, Andrea Horvath, of course, she was up till four in the morning and uh, she was there at the legislature. And she says that Doug Ford's use of the notwithstanding clause will not be an act that will be remembered fondly. Give a listen. It's a hilarious situation if it wasn't so serious. You know, this premier is going to go down in history as being the first premier to use the notwithstanding clause, not in a good way. It's going to be uh, an embarrassment, I think, uh, that will go down in the history books. Do you believe that? Yeah, I think at the end of all of this, this is the first of likely many uses of the notwithstanding clause by Premier Ford. What does that look like? What will he use it on next? It really wasn't necessary to go down this road at this time in this way. Now, he is the premier. He has these tools in his toolbox. Uh, sometimes uh, the discretion of the office uh, may, may have been better considered. But what but is he signaling by doing so? That, frankly, the conversations that should have around governance structure, intergovernmental affairs, how Toronto governs itself as the largest city in Canada... Uh, should have been a conversation between governments that took more than a couple of days and a notwithstanding clause in some court cases. When the city of Toronto did this, they actually went through several years of Mm. uh, consultation, court cases, deliberations Mm. by council. Anything result? Yeah, the the result was that there should have been a forty-seven uh, ward model mm. uh, plus the mayor. Now, whether you agree with it or not, the premier has decided that this was his preliminary line in the sand. But what he also said to the Association of Municipalities conference in August was that he has no plans to do this with other municipalities in the near future. Now that sent shockwaves through that community and that uh, that room. Why would uh, it? Because what you're doing is undermining their ability to govern and run their campaigns without the scepter of how they govern themselves, how they govern their municipalities is going to be uh, the rapt attention of the premier. And will and he has made no qualms. But everybody about knows saying, every the municipalities are creatures of the province. They are creatures of the province, but there's been an evolution on the powers in which municipalities have been given and have assumed. Well, let's just ask somebody here who's uh, represented on council, and you're contesting again, are you not? Absolutely. By the way, is a four-week window roughly enough time to get your ducks in a row and to contest this thing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been working since May, and as have other candidates, it adds a bit of a hiccup when you have to now get your name out in in another area where you're not as well known, but uh, we're working on it, and there hasn't been anything to stop anybody from continuing to go into the other side of of Eglinton-Lawrence for the past three weeks. So people can still canvas, they can still go talk to people, um, and uh, and... At right now, it is what it is, and it's just, I have an election to win, so I'm out talking to people every day to ensure that I win. 
Let me ask you, Mike Van Solen, because, uh, you know, when Andrea makes that claim that somehow this is something that will not be fondly remembered, uh, there's another point of view that suggests maybe it is a watershed moment that tries to reassert the supremacy of the elected parliament, and it's a shot across the bow. How do you feel? I think that is part of it, and I think that is the broader discussion that we're going to have. When we created the Charter as a country, we knew that we were going on a bit of a slippery slope. There was, a, there was the prospect that we're going to have a bit of a more of American-style system. Uh, that's why, of course, there's so much controversy and attention that's played to Supreme Court nominees at south of the border, and we're seeing that uh, in full display right now. Um, we believe, and 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 we are born of a Westminster system out of the out of out of Britain. That system has served others uh, very well, including the the United Kingdom, uh, New Zealand, and Australia, and and very clearly in that system, it, there is parliamentary supremacy. The legislators get to decide what the laws of the land are, and what interferes with that is sort of a judicial process and saying. You know the Charter of Rights and Freedoms uh, somehow over could supersede the will of Parliament. Um, so I think people are going to look past this. I think they're going to be happy to see 25 councillors and a, a streamlined city council. And frankly, this might be controversial. Andrea's warnings might have more credence if the judge hadn't so clearly, uh, not so clearly, overstepped his bounds in this matter. The idea, and, and it's great to hear Kristen talk about it. She, her, her freedom of expression hasn't been fettered by this. She's been able to go out and talk to constituents. I don't believe her offering to, to potential constituents has changed markedly. You mm-hmm. stand for the same things you stood for before. So it's about going to talk to another group. And, and uh, so I think, uh, you know, if people are going to move past this. The, the legislation is going to carry. And we'll see whether it happens or doesn't happen again. But uh, the premier looks to be uh, someone in charge who had a, a point of view on this topic. And he's moved forward with it. Well, you know, interestingly, concurrent to this notwithstanding clause or Bill 31, which superseded Bill 5, but Bill 5 may be reinstated tomorrow. There's a court of appeal ruling coming out. And if the court on appeal rules that uh, Doug Ford was firmly in his right to put forth this, I mean, it basically quashes every point of dissent that was raised, I guess, by trying to uh, seek this court ruling at the lower level, doesn't it? Sure. One of the things that uh, the there was an FOI request today that uh, came out that there was no consultation around this, even within the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing, uh, no real direction given to the minister and the ministry uh, as part of this FOI. But what gets lost in all of this conversation about the democracy and the votes that Premier Ford received is that so too did City of Toronto. So did City of Toronto councillors and the mayor. And the mayor of Toronto, uh, however that election shakes out on uh, at the uh, possibly on October 22nd, uh, the mayor of Toronto is elected by the largest amount of electors right. anywhere in the country. And so when we start to pat municipalities on the head, I think we overlook the fact that they are much bigger entities than they were. Why didn't the during... Liberals change that? I mean, or Bob Ray, the NDP had power back in the early 90s. Why didn't they change well, the system? Well, you know, Mike Harris changed a lot in the city of Toronto's mm. system and, and and in creating the megacity, which created it to be if such Andrea a If Andrea wins the next time, though, she could change it. Everything will be 
tickety-boo then? Well, I think you're also looking at a whole constitutional question, and municipalities have been uh, asking about what more rights can they have as municipalities given the amount of work uh, and and authority and autonomy and, frankly, economic clout uh, that they've been wielding over the past uh, couple of decades now. This almost seems to me like it's such an academic exercise to talk about that. It is what it is. I mean, he has the power vested in the charter and he's used it and let's move on no you don't want to move on it's not that i don't want to move on it it becomes a question of what else is he going to use this on this was not something he ran on well, he let's ran burn on the that offic- bridge when we get to it yeah, i'm I sure mean, we'll have lots we're just, we're just fear-mongering now <laughs> well, yeah. like let's deal with let's the talk fa- let's deal with the, fa- let's deal let's with the deal facts with, no let's deal with the facts of the matter and he's going to put f- put forward this legislation and even when you talk earlier about oh well we had a process that was multi many years long and there was court cases and uh, uh, you know everybody uh, gnashing of teeth at city council and they came up with the brilliant solution of just adding two more councillors three the, and the, redrawing all the ward boundaries to create a more equitable system and especially and in the downtown the stuff that wards, just makes the average person just roll their eyes and go yeah that's why we want to see that's why we want to see something different take place at city hall just because city democracy is a bit messy and more uh, unstructured than some people who only deal with federal and provincial politics would like to. It doesn't make it a lesser system. It's actually really uh, interesting in that it is more collaborative and you can have better decisions. Collaborative? It is. Oh, okay. It seems you dysfunctional ne- from be- where I sit. Because you need to, because there's, you mm. know, you need to collaborate. You need to Who's find Who's doing a, the collaborating? If it, you're any good at your job, the mayors and councillors are because they need a majority of their colleagues to vote with them to get anything mm. approved. That by its very nature, well, a little messy and can look unstructured uh, is actually how you get better decisions. And I, and I just think we'll see that same sort of messy uh, sausage making uh, taking place in a 25 uh, person universe. But there'll be 25 people who have to be brought along, and, and I, I feel Ontarians, Torontonians are good with that. All right. Hey, let's hang on, because uh, there was somebody else who felt, I guess, uh, the representation under which they were uh, presenting themselves wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Leona Oleslev left the Liberals, crossed the floor earlier this afternoon, sitting as a Conservative MP. Actually, she's joined Andrew Scheer's shadow cabinet. Rightly or wrongly, was this uh, something that uh, played out honorably or not? We'll put that to our panel. Kim Wright, Mike Van Solen, Kristen Carmichael, Greb, in a moment on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There are people all across our province of every political stripe that are disgusted by what this Premier is doing. This is a bill that's really important to get passed as quickly as possible. 